All right, I think we're good. Well, good evening, everybody. Glad everybody could make it tonight. Good evening. Got a lot of people missing, uh, so we'll say a prayer for them. Uh, Definitely keep uh, Sally uh, in our prayers um, and and her family and the loss of her mother. Um, So this is something that we, we need to do is... Pray for our fellow believers that are going through some tough times and those who don't know Christ. We need to be praying for them as well. So uh, tonight we're going to be going into part seven of a series that we've been going through titled The Commandments of the Lord. And uh, if you've been following with us, uh, we've been, you know, cover a lot of ground uh, work here. And so um, we've kind of gone through the entire Bible from uh, Adam all the way to Moses and Peter and the Twelve and um, to Peter and Paul. And, and, and we've gone over basically part one was just the commandments. And we established a commandment is uh, given by God requiring obedience. And the consequences of breaking a commandment of God is sin. Sin leads to death. And part two, we kind of went over the distinctions and the unique doctrines that Christ taught Peter versus the doctrines that were taught to Paul. And that uh, we laid out all these distinctions and kind of laid down the groundwork for which we've kind of been expounding upon. Part three, we broke down the gospel of the kingdom that was promised to Israel. God made a set of promises to Abraham and David saying, hey, I'm going to give you a land for an inheritance And uh, you're going to be establishing a kingdom, a kingdom of heaven, going to be established here on the earth and it's going to reign forever. And we established that that kingdom was different from, I mean, that gospel is different from the gospel of Christ that was committed to the Apostle Paul, which was the good news of that Christ died for our sins on the cross. And that was a mystery kept secret, hidden God before the foundation of the world. Part four, we kind of went through why two gospels, according to Galatians 2 7. Peter was committed the gospel of the circumcision. Paul was committed the gospel of the uncircumcision. Why? Well, because the Apostle Paul, before he was the Apostle Paul, he was Saul of Tarsus, and he was the guy that was basically killing, slaughtering, putting those that were following Christ over here with the twelve. And he essentially was a blasphemer of the Holy Ghost. He committed that unpardonable sin that Christ spoke in the book of Matthew. Uh, I, he's, Christ said, if any man blasphemy against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven. But he that blasphemy against the Holy Ghost hath never forgiveness in this world, nor in the world to come, yet in the world to come. So, why two Gospels was part four. Part five, we hit on inheritance. Israel is going to inherit the earth. That's how it's always going to be. And the body of Christ and that mystery that was revealed to the Apostle Paul are going to be inheriting the heavens. Um, And then last part that we hit on was part six, where we basically broke down those who were under the law. Israel, Christ was born under the law because he was born a Jew, and uh, we hit grace, under grace, and today we are under grace. We're not under the law, nor were we ever 
under the law. That was completely given to Moses and to the nation Israel. And that's kind of the tipping point uh, of what I want to kind of transition in tonight. I want to hit identity. And if bottom line, if there's one thing that you take away from tonight's study, it's this. The house of Israel is not the body of Christ. I'm going to say that one more time. The house of Israel is not the body of Christ. These are two separate entities, two completely different identities. And I hope that after tonight, we will make that clear as day. Um, it, I think this is something that is um, a big, big uh, problem with churches across the globe today. I see so many pastors, preachers, teachers, doesn't matter if it's online uh, videos or in pulpits, but uh, they're inserting the body of Christ into the house of Israel, and they're inserting the house of Israel into the body of Christ, and uh, they're failing this fundamental principle of how to study God's word according to Second Timothy 2.15, which is rightly dividing the word of truth. They are wrongly dividing the word of truth. And it is very dangerous. I want to share uh, just a quick story of how dangerous this could be. I have a friend. Uh, he worked with Blue Cross Blue Shield uh, for a long time, and he would do audits and uh, basically kind of review claims. And there was one case where a man had gouged his eye out after going to a church service where the pastor preached, if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. So what did the man do after the service? He went and gouged his eye out. That's dangerous. Well, is it truth? Yes, it's true. It's in the Bible. Where is he getting it? From the Bible. Was it truth that was written to him? No. That was truth here in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John before the cross, written and addressed to the children, the house of Israel. So... Uh, before we kind of jump in tonight, this is what we're going to kind of establish. We're going to kind of go through the, the, new, the old covenant. We're going to go through the new covenant, and then we're going to address the dispensation of the grace of God. So uh, let's start in Acts chapter 8. We'll start there. I want to tell you about the story of the Ethiopian man and how I think uh, how it, it applies to me, and I think it, it is applying to pretty much a lot of people today. So in Acts chapter 8, we're going to be reading verses 26 through 40. And verse 26, Acts chapter 8, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is the desert. And he arose and went, and behold... A man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem to worship, uh, was returning and sitting in his chariot read Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to his chariot. And Philip ran thither to him, and heard him read the prophet Isaiah, and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, the Ethiopian, How can I, except some man should guide me? 
and he desired Philip that he, sh- he would come up and sit with them. So essentially, I'm going to pause there. We have a man from Ethiopia. So he was essentially a Gentile. He was going to Jerusalem to worship. He was reading the Old Testament. He's reading uh, Isaiah. And Philip says, hey, do you understand what you're reading? Essentially. Do you understand it? And Philip said, how can I except someone should guide me? The, the principle is this. Uh, if you don't understand what you're reading, you need a guide. You need someone to show you. It's that simple. Um, it's not your fault for being ignorant of what you don't know, essentially, right? So, I'm guilty of this as I was without a guide for eight years of my life. And I would read all the Bible as if it was written directly to me. And so when I would get to some of the uh, passages in the Old Testament, when I'd read Ezekiel and I would read the prophets praying over dry bones and all these things, I literally would then go out and do it and things weren't happening. I'm like, all right, something's not working. It's not some, There's something broke. <laughs> this is the word of truth. It says to do this. Why isn't it working? Well, I was ignorant of the fact that the Bible says exactly what it means, to who it says it, when it says it, and that God has been doing different things throughout the times. He's doing things today that He never did in times past. He's doing things today He's never going to be doing in times future. And that's why it's so important that you understand what I would like to call the two camps of theology. All right, The two camps is this. You've got dispensationalism on one side, You've got covenant theology on the other. All right? Dispensationalism essentially is this. It is reading the scriptures at its face value, literal translation. The words mean what they say on the page. When you get to covenant theology, it's spiritualization of the scripture. It doesn't really mean what it says on the pages. And that is some very dangerous grounds to kind of put yourself on. And I like I said, was very guilty of this. And I did it for eight years. And it got me into a lot of trouble. Um, so, you, you can't replace or change the words here on the page. God has said countless times in His book, don't diminish from my words, don't add to it, don't take away, uh, don't change them. And time and time again, what did Israel do? You can read about it. They changed what God said. They added to the Word of God. They took away from it. They watered it down. They essentially made their own religion and said, hey, we don't need the words of the Lord. We have our own words and our own religion and our own doctrine. And time and time again, you can read about Christ talking about that in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So, I, I, I mean, I, the, there's, it, it's so dangerous when you spiritualize the scripture and you don't understand how to rightly divide the word of truth. I want to share two stories about young men cutting off their right hands. Why? Well, when you read in Matthew, when Christ says if your hand causes you sin, you cut it off, right? So there's two stories. There was an Idaho man uh, in his 20s, felt like he had the mark of the beast and was terrified of the wrath of God. So what did he do? Because he couldn't stop sinning, he took a circular saw, sawed his hand off, and put it in the microwave, and then called 911. Dangerous, right? Well, it's truth. He got it from the Bible, but he didn't understand who it's written to or the context of what's going on there. 
Uh, another man in Egypt, he struggled with stealing. He, hate, he couldn't, he, and he couldn't deal with the burden of the sin and the guilt from sinning. What did he do? He cut off both of his hands. Okay, that's why it's so dangerous when you don't understand the word of truth and how to rightly divide it. I mean, in Hebrews, it talks about the word being quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. If you don't understand how to use the word of God properly, you're going to hurt yourself. And it could be completely physical, emotional, and mental exhaustion. So um, here's the reason why they, they are failing to rightly divide the word of truth. They don't understand when you get to Paul's epistles, Christ became sin for us on the cross. He paid for it all. He left them in the grave at Calvary so, so that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. So if, if you think that you're part of the house of Israel, I'll tell you what, you might as well pack your bags and head to the Middle East right now where they are severing the heads of Christians and torturing them because that's part of Israel's inheritance. It's that plot of land. And that's what we kind of addressed, you know, when we hit the inheritance. So, again, bottom line, the house of Israel is not the, bo- the, the, the body of Christ. We today who are alive and trust in Christ, we're not the house of Israel. We're members of the body of Christ. So, let's start uh, by addressing the house of Israel. Let's go to Jeremiah 31. So where did Israel start? Well, we had Abram, right? Whose name was changed to Abraham. And God's made a covenant, a promise to him saying, uh, I'm going to make of thee a great nation. That great nation would be Israel. So Abraham had, um, oh my gosh, sons. Isaac. Isaac. Abraham had Isaac. Isaac had Jacob. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. And from Jacob came the 12 tribes of Israel. And when we got to Moses, that's when they became that great nation, when God delivered them out of Egypt. And so let's read in Jeremiah 31, this covenant, the old covenant, which was given to Moses and this new covenant that God makes a promise to Israel. In Jeremiah 31, 31, it says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the members of the body of Christ. No, no. No. It says, With the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which break my covenant, which my covenant they break, although I was an husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house, I'm sorry, with the members of the body of Christ. No. No, it says, with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts, their being Israel, and write it in their hearts, Israel's hearts, and will be their God, the house of Israel, And they, the house of Israel, shall be my people. And they, the house of Israel, shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they, the house of Israel, shall all know me from the least of them, that is, the house of Israel, unto the greatest of them, the house of Israel, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, 
the house of Israel's iniquity, and I will remember their sin, the house of Israel, sins no more. So, everything that we're reading right now in Jeremiah 31 deals with who? The house of Israel. They had the old covenant that was committed to Moses. God is prophesying to the prophet Jeremiah, saying, I'm going to make a new covenant with Israel one day. So let's expound upon that a little bit more and what that involves. Go with, uh, go with me to Ezekiel 36. Ezekiel 36. It's just uh, this, basically the next book, so you just go and write if you're following us with your Bible. And in Ezekiel 36, uh, we're kind of laying some groundwork in the Old Testament before we get to the cross. In Ezekiel 36, notice in verse 17. This is the Lord speaking unto the prophet Ezekiel. Son of man, when the body of Christ, nope, nope when the house of Israel dwelt in their own land, this is talking about the house of Israel's land, they defiled it by their own way and by their doings. Their way was before me as the uncleanness of a removed woman. Wherefore I poured my fury upon them, the house of Israel, for the blood that they, the house of Israel, had shed upon the land and for their idols wherewith they had polluted it. And I scattered them, the house of Israel, among the heathen, and they were dispersed through the countries. So, I'm going to pause. So we're reading about Israel, the house of Israel, basically they were in that plot of land over there that God promised to them. They defiled it. They were worshiping idols. And God kind of got essentially fed up with it and said, all right, that's it. I'm going to scatter you among the nations. And that's exactly what God did. He scattered those 12 tribes among the heathen. And uh, they continued to profane the name of the Lord. And God basically was, look, because of my covenants that I made back to Abraham and David and uh, all the prophets, he said, I'm going to restore the house of Israel one day. There will come a day. Uh, let's go to Ezekiel 37. And in Ezekiel 37, I want you to notice, uh, before I get to Ezekiel 37, where we're in it, so God is speaking again to uh, Ezekiel. He has him go out and essentially pray for these dry bones to basically be risen up and ask him, hey, can these dry bones live? Ezekiel says, Lord, only you know. I'm paraphrasing. And basically, he sees this whole entire, essentially, all of these, this nation rise up, bones, bones, ligaments grow, and essentially a resurrection. And in verse 11, God explains what the vision is that Ezekiel is seeing. And in verse 11, it says, Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried and our hope is lost. We are cut off. For our parts, therefore, prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. So God is talking about all of it, the house of Israel that has basically died. They're waiting. And God says, One day I'm going to resurrect all of you up. And I'm going to walk you back into that land 
that I promised my servant Abraham. Okay? Uh, let's jump to verse 21. And say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will take the members of the body of Christ. No. no. I will take the children of Israel from among the heathen, whether they be gone, will gather them on every side, and I will bring them into their own land. And I will make them one nation in the land upon the mountains of Israel. One king shall be king to them all, and they shall be no more two nations, because they were split between the north and the south. Neither shall they be divided into two kingdoms any more at all. Neither shall they defile themselves any more with their idols, nor with their detestable things, nor with any of their transgressors. But I will save them out of all their dwelling places wherein they shall have sinned and will cleanse them. So shall they be my people and I will be their God. And David, my servant, shall be king over them and they shall have one shepherd. They shall also walk in my judgments and observe my statutes with them and they shall dwell in the land. So... God is talking about the future through Ezekiel about restoring the kingdom to Israel when, and you've got to read all the Old Testament. You'll see how God basically gave his word to them. Israel rejected it. They continued to worship idols. So he took them out of that land and he scattered them among the nations. So when we get to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we start reading about a man Jesus Christ, a Jewish man living in a Jewish land, speaking to a Jewish people. When you get to Matthew 15, 24, it's no wonder when Jesus Christ is speaking to a Gentile woman and says, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. When he's talking to the twelve, that is that should not be a well, why does it say that? Because when you're reading Genesis, all up until this point, all the Bible deals with is the house of Israel. The body of Christ isn't even a thought because it hadn't even been revealed yet because God hadn't saved the apostle of the Gentiles, Paul, to reveal the mystery of Christ, which was a great mystery. Why? Because it was hidden God before the foundation of the world and none of these guys over here knew about it. Peter and the twelve didn't know about it. So, what have we talked about so far? We've talked about the Old Covenant with Israel and the New Covenant that God's going to essentially create with the house of Israel. And He's no longer going to remember their sins no more. And we're talking about this resurrection of all of Israel that have died and they're going to come back into the land here on this plot in earth. This is not heaven that we're talking about. We're talking about the kingdom of heaven here on earth. Uh, that's important, folks, because there's a lot of people today across churches that are preaching this spiritualization that the kingdom of heaven is here and now. Really? Because if that's true, well, then I would have to literally look at Israel right now, modern day, and see the Lord Jesus Christ sitting on the throne of David. Is that happening? No. That's what's going to happen one day. Uh, so, now let's talk about the body of Christ, okay? We're going to transition. So, I'm giving you guys homework for the sake of time, uh, because I'm, I don't have the time to go through it, but in order to understand this difference between the house of Israel 
and the body of Christ, you really need to read Romans 9, 10, and 11. Because what happens in these chapters is the Apostle Paul, the Apostle of the Gentiles, he's explaining part of the mystery that was hid in God, kept secret before the foundation of the world. And essentially what happened is you can read about in the book of Acts, you essentially read the fall, diminish, and the setting aside of Israel. And it was prophesied by uh, the prophet Hosea that there was going to come a time where Israel would no longer be my people. And they fulfilled that at Acts 28.28 where they'd been set aside. So when you're reading Romans 9, 10, and 11, the Apostle Paul explains what happened to Israel, essentially. Uh, And we're only going to hit on a couple of it. In Romans 11, we're going to be reading verse 25 through 29. Paul writes, For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. Now we're talking all the theirs and theys. We're talking about the house of Israel here. Verse 28. As concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes. But as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sake, for the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. So what did we just read? One, we're talking about not being ignorant of this mystery. What's that mystery? It's the setting aside of Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. Now, we're dealing with a covenant that God made to Israel. God said it. He's going to do it. And um, verse 29, where it says, For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. That verse used to drive me nuts. Because I'm sitting there scratching my head like, what does that mean? And then finally, after much reading and studying, it makes complete sense. What he's saying is, look, all of these gifts and callings for Israel and all of their inheritance that they're going to get this kingdom here on earth and they're going to reign forever, and you can read about what it's going to be like there in Isaiah. God said those are gifts and callings are for Israel. And he's not changed his mind. He's not going to change. He's going to perform that. He's going to fulfill that new covenant with the house of Israel and fulfill all those promises and prophecies that were given to them. At the same side, all of the gifts and calling of the body of Christ God made up in His mind before the foundation of the world that we should be members of His flesh and of His bones and that we are literally going to dwell in heaven with Christ forever. Those things God has given different callings. Different callings to the house of Israel. Different callings to the body of Christ. And Israel's concern, that thing's done. That thing's at a standstill. Right now, God is just dealing with the dispensation of the grace of God. There are no Jews. There are no Gentiles. It's just those that have trusted in Christ and have become members of the body of Christ. So, when he says in verse 28, as concerning the gospel, what gospel is he talking about there? Well, he's talking about the gospel of the uncircumcision. He's talking about the gospel of Christ. 
And what does it say? As concerning the gospel of Christ, or a.k.a. the gospel of the uncircumcision, they, the house of Israel, those that are not of Israel, are what? Enemies for your sakes. But as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sake. So, sorry, my computer just keeps locking up. It drives me nuts. Um, So, now, let's go to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to do a bit of reading here. Verses 1. Ephesians 3, 1. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if ye heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given to me, to you were, how that by revelation he made known unto me, not Peter, James, and John, the mystery, as I wrote afore in a few words, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Verse 5, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the spirits, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Unto me, not Peter, James, and John, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ to the intent that now unto principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, there's a lot to unpack in this verse, and in, in, in this passage. But the thing that I really want to hit on is the unsearchable riches of Christ. In, verses, in verse 8, Christ, when you want to talk about the unsearchable riches of Christ, what's he talking about? He's talking about all these things that we're pretty much unpacking right now in Romans through Philemon. That's why when Paul told Timothy, consider what I say and the Lord give thee understanding into all things. It unlocks the Bible. It eliminates the confusion. When you understand how to rightly divide the word of truth from the house of Israel, from the body of Christ, from Genesis all the way to Acts, from Hebrews to Revelation and all the body of Christ. It's just here in Romans through Philemon, 13 books. I'm telling you, it eliminates all the confusion. And it might take some time. You might not get it all at once. Gosh, I know everybody in here hasn't got it all at once. But you got to study. You need to get in the Word. You need to learn how to rightly divide the Word of truth. God's will for you today is twofold. God wants all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of truth, of the truth. When that truth is His Word rightly divided. So, In verse 2, the other thing I wanted to hit on was essentially this dispensation of the grace of God. Okay? Uh, If you haven't heard the word dispensation, it is basically God dispensing something. What is it? What is so when you think about a dispensary, it's dispensing. So God is dispensing grace today. 
He's freely pouring out His grace. And to anyone that would receive that free gift of salvation, accepting the truth that Christ died on the cross for your sins, He was buried, dead for three days, and raised from the dead on the third day, and God restored Him up into the heavens where He now sits at the right hand of God. If you trust in that, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise under the day of redemption. Uh, it's that simple. It's a free gift. And uh, there's going to be a time where this time period, no one knows where it's going to end. And God is going to continue that prophetic program with the house of Israel, where he's going to enter into that new covenant. But that time hasn't come yet right now. We're living in what I like to call the age of the mystery. The mystery of the dispensation of the grace of God. Uh, so, I've got a couple, two more passages and we'll wrap up. Turn with me to Romans chapter 12. I'm going to screw this verse up like I did in, when I was reading Jeremiah and Ezekiel. In Romans chapter 12, and I do it for teaching purposes. In Romans chapter 12, notice in verse 4 and 5, Paul talking to the church uh, at Rome. For we have many members in the house of Israel. No. Not one body. And all members have not the same office. So we, being many, are one house of Israel in Christ. No, one body. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, notice in verse 32. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the house of Israel. No. I speak concerning Christ and the church. Who is the church? The church, the body of Christ. So if you go back and read Ephesians 5, 21 through 31, I'm not going to read all of it, but, but Paul starts talking about the relationship between wife and a husband. And when we get to... Um, verse 30. Well, no, you know what? Let's read this. Um, let's start in verse 21. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he, Christ, might sanctify and cleanse it, the church, the body of Christ, with the washing of the water by the word, that he, that is Christ, to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it, the church, the body of Christ, should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church." 
For we are members of the house of Israel. Nope. We are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they shall, they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So he uses this husband and wife relationship. The two will become one flesh. It says this is a great mystery. He's not talking about husband and wife. He's talking about Christ, the head, and the church, the body of Christ, being one. That's the great mystery. And we're not going to be inheriting a plot of land here on this earth. No, that's not for us. There's not going to be a new Jerusalem for us. He's not going to wipe every tear from our eye. No, that's what God is going to do with the house of Israel. We are going for a trip. <laughs> we are going far above all heavens where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God. Why? Because we are members of his body, of his flesh and of his bones. Where is Christ sitting at? The right hand of God. So, what have we talked about tonight? Well, we established that the identity of the house of Israel and that the body of Christ are not the same thing. And when you understand rightly dividing the word of truth, you understand that these two things, I mean, we're, we're just scratching the surface of how deep you can kind of go with this study. So um, I appreciate you guys tuning in on Facebook or on YouTube. As always, if you have any questions, feel free to uh, message us. Uh, we'll do our best to answer them. Thank you so much for your time. We're not going to be meeting next week. And we will not be meeting next week.